I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. Here's the fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me are my two lovely and talented co-hosts, Mr. Eric Smith. Hello, everyone. And Mr. Ryan Stacy. Work. What's up, Jessica? What up? So um, this episode is going to be a mixed blessing of things. Um uh, we're going to do a tribute at the end of the episode, talk about the loss of Gene Wilder. And if you read our uh, Fangirl magazine online, um, you'll see the giant tribute that I posted about him. Um, wasn't expecting a loss like that again this year. Seems like all our heroes are going away. Um, so this was a rough one. And I figure it would be a good time for the three of us to talk about our favorite Gene Wilder movies because basically everybody i know has a favorite gene wilder movie um so we will be talking about the awesomely talented gene wilder later in the episode um one good news though is the fact that horror hound weekend is next week which is crazy to think about because it's already here and Mm. yeah and um i'm going to be there and i'm going to be filming a pilot which is Really? Ooh, girl, you picked up a pilot? I picked up a pilot. Um, is he cute? I'm sorry. He's very cute. He's very cute. He looks a lot like me. Um, so, <laughs> um, no, I, I will be filming a pilot at the at the convention, and it's, it's really exciting. Um, it'll be even more exciting if it gets picked up, but we are filming a pilot there, and if you see us running around with a camera, um, I will be happy to talk to you and interview you on camera if you're so inclined. Um, so I'm really excited about that. It's going to be a huge show. Lots of cool stuff going on. There's a child's play reunion. There's a fright night reunion. There's a Halloween reunion going on. Um, I think there's like a kind of like a night of the creeps reunion. It's, it's crazy. It's a huge, huge show. Um, and this isn't even the, um, the one that takes over our convention center. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked. It's crazy. Um, but it is the one with Mask Fest, so that's even cooler. Mask Fest is huge. It's like two cons and ones, what you're getting with this one. Um, so anyway, guys, how has it been for you? What what have you been up to? Let's uh, go with Eric first. What have you been up to, Eric? Oh, just keeping incredibly busy. Uh, first of all, of course, there's the day job, unfortunately, because <laughs> there are bills to pay. But uh, uh <clears throat> I have a lot of books that I have to read and review 
Uh, so I've been working on those and lots of new games to play to review. And you uh, played one just recently. I did. What uh, did you play? Well, you know, last episode we talked about Legendary Big Trouble in Little China. And this week I got a chance to play Legendary Encounters Firefly. Ooh, the Firefly. And, uh so far, it's absolutely incredible, in my opinion. Um, you actually take on the role of one of the main characters, and you play through the episodes of the TV show. Oh, wow. And uh, so we haven't played through all of them. But uh, so far, the as you play through the episodes, they seem very well-themed. Um, the, the, you play three episodes at a time, in order. And so for the first game, if you play Serenity Part 1, your objective is to just steal some salvage. So this isn't, is, this isn't going to play out like the TV show where you put them in the wrong order, right? <laughs> no. No, it will not be. <laughs> this, I am not playing with anyone from Fox. So <laughs> we will be playing in the correct order. Um, so Serenity Part 1, you uh, steal some salvage. And then... Serenity Part 2, your objectives are to defeat Dobson. Mm -hmm. so, so if you remember the show, that was Carlos Jaycott. Yep. And then your second objective is to defeat Patience. <laughs> um, and it's... you have to fight her outlaws and all this other stuff. Throw the guy through the, the engine. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's in the third episode, the train job. Oh, that's right. Because it's still Patience, though, right? Or is no, it no, no. It was Badger. It's Badger. It's Badger. That's right. Or uh, Niska, actually. That's right. That's right. It's Niska. So in in episode three, your objectives are to uh, defeat Cow. I believe is his name. He's the big guy that gets kicked into the engine in the show, and to uh, steal the medical supplies. And you actually have to, as you're playing the game and you're laying out the cards. First, you have to get the sky hook. Because you have to have the sky hook to get the medical supplies off the train. And then if you steal the medical supplies, you have to decide if you're going to keep them and sell them to Niska or if you're going to give them to the townspeople. <laughs> you actually have to make that choice within the game. And then you have uh, you have the Serenity is part of the, the play mat, and it can take damage. And so you have to keep repairing the Serenity because if it explodes, if it takes too much damage and explodes, you lose the game. Um, and it just, it's, it, I've seen a lot of complaints about the artwork, uh, but it just plays, it's so much fun to play, especially if you're a fan of the show. And I feel it really captures the feel of the episodes uh, that I don't care whether or not the artwork is terrible. I didn't think it was terrible personally. It's not the greatest. But, uh, you know, they're trying to capture the likeness of the actors and some it's hit and miss with a lot of games like this where they try to do that. But huge fun. If you're a Firefly fan, I highly recommend it. Nice. So, Ryan, I know that you had a, a religious experience, apparently. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Um, well, okay. I, first, when I start this, I've been a fan for a long time, but I've never watched these award shows or anything, but I did get to tune into the 
what used to be called the VMAs. I don't know if you guys remember this. It's when they used to give out awards for music videos. What are those? <laughs> they're, they're just songs. They're songs with pretty pictures. <laughs> and Beyonce did a really, really long, pretty picture this year called Lemonade. Mm-hmm. And she did a 15-minute stage show. It was a sampling of this new album, which is pretty much just entirely about her husband cheating on her. Wonderful. <laughs> and um, I mean, the whole the whole idea behind this album is taking the lemons that life hands you and making lemonade. And there's a really positive message behind it, but her performance just killed me. And so I've just kind of been in this uh, Beyonce days for two days, like just listening to her music and wishing I was Beyonce. (laughs) So the thing that I saw that was pretty awesome that she did was that she brought on stage the mothers or she at least brought to the show, the mothers of um, these, these um, shootings, the shooting victims. She did. She did. I believe she had eight women with her that were mothers of these, all these victims that, you know, we've, had to see in the forefront of all this just nastiness that's been going on in the world. Right. That's pretty mm-hmm. awesome that she did that. I, I think, I know a lot of people, it sounded like a lot of people were um, not happy with her for doing that. But at the same time, you know, she knows that she has a stage and she has a, an audience and it can get, get the, the message out there about, you know, there's a face to these tragedies and that's pretty awesome. I think so too. And I, I don't understand why people are getting so upset with her for doing that. There are so many other things going on in the world. And half the time, the people that are saying these awful things about what she did over the weekend don't really care about pop culture and what's going on in that realm. You know, Beyonce's vehicle for her voice is, you know, the pop world, award shows, performances, music videos. So why are we criticizing her for using that platform to speak a message yeah i mean i i i think she's you know it's not as i i mean it's allow her to do that at least allow her to do some good with it and i think that's what that she's trying to do it's like when um they had the abuse survivors at the oscars in a way the same thing when they they came out you know and that was that was just something beautiful i thought so yeah i you know it's Make something decent out of the VMAs for once, for the love of God. And then she took home six moon men. So yeah. I say, I say, um, you know what? Just, uh, just eat it. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. No, seriously. That's well, what I've been doing. <laughs> so, um, so let's get into the weekend geek because there's a lot to talk about. And the one thing I want to talk about for sure is something that, um, I'm a, I'm one of the, the resident gamers on, on the show. And this is just fantastic to me. I, I'm a humble bundle whore. I love the humble bundle. Um, humble bundle does really cool stuff. They give you really, really amazing deals that you can pay what you want from a dollar on for these really cool deals where they bundle together games, books, things like that. And I'm an old school gamer. I grew up with Sierra stuff. And right now they have the Humble Sierra Bundle. It's $215 worth of games. And right now, if you just want to pay a dollar or whatever you want to do, because this does go to charity, and you can even adjust it as such uh, to whatever charity you want to do, um, they have 
as much as you want to whichever charity these are going to. And um, right now these are the going to the Call of Duty Endowment. Uh, you can get the entire Space Quest collection, Phantasmagoria 1 and 2, the entire Police Quest collection, and a little game called Shiftlings. Um, if you pay $12.73, you can get Arcanum, Time Shift, Quest for Glory 1 through 5, Gabriel Knight 1 through 3, and if you pay $15 or more, you get Caesar 3 and 4, Geometry Wars, and the entire King's Quest collection, as well as a game called Velocity 2X. And um, for an extra, for 20, you get the entire King's Quest complete collection, including the new version of King's Quest. That's pretty ridiculous. 20 bucks for almost $220 worth of games. And how many of those bundles did you order, Jessica? <laughs> well, the cool thing is what this does is you don't get a physical copy. You don't have to deal with that. It gives you the codes to Steam, and you can unlock them on Steam and have them forever. And you can um, install them on your on your PC. Like I, what I'll do is I'll put it on my desktop, and I will also install it on my Surface because you can do that. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. I bought the... I bought the dollar deal because I don't need any of the other ones um, just because I love police quest so much and space quest and phantasmagoria. These, these are like classic, classic games and space quest alone. You get like six or seven games on it. Same with police quest. So it's crazy. It's a good deal. Go now. Humble bundle. I believe it's going on for another 12 days. So go get it. And what's cool is they'll add games to randomly to after you've purchased and you'll just, suddenly have an extra game pop up on your thing, which is pretty neat. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys seem so thrilled. I am the game. As I said, I'm the resident gamer. This made me happy. Um, something that should make everybody happy. Um, it will make me happy when I finally get to watch all of it is the fact that um, Stranger Things is getting a second season surprise big surprise since no one is not talking about stranger things um i've had the entire, i'm not talking about it i haven't seen it yet i've had the entire thing ruined for me already so it's i haven't like, seen it either um but it's the biggest thing in the world right now of geekdom um everybody loves it shooter jennings is playing an extended version of the theme song on electric rodeo even and so um i've watched Almost the entire first episode, I just need to just sit down and do it because I'm never, I'm, I'm already had everything ruined for the most part. Um, but it is fantastic what I've seen. I really like it. It's definitely a nice throwback. Stephen King, like, loves it to death. Um, and so what they're going to do is they've announced with the trailer that the second season is going to take place in the fall of 1984. So um, it's, as I said, a massive throwback show, and that's pretty exciting for everybody that's seen this. That seems to be the entire world, but the three of us. <laughs> so I don't feel so bad. I don't. I can tell you that Sean, my roommate, has watched um, the series, and from what I overheard with my back to it, because I was at the computer, it sounds like it's a pretty. It's a great radio show. It's a great radio play. <laughs> well, it, it's it's actually it really does feel like you know explorers meets 
uh, you know, if, if, if Explorers or Goonies or E.T. was written by Stephen King, that's what this show is. From just the first episode alone that I have watched. That's you know what is so sense. funny is I made that same kind of parallel to It yesterday. I was watching It and I was like, this is like if Stephen King wrote The Goonies. <laughs> well, that's basically what this is. It really is. What? Um, so another new series that's, well, this is a new series that's coming and I'm sure Eric's probably going to be excited about this as he's the other resident comic book geek is, um, Marvel's developing a new Warriors TV series with Squirrel Girl. That's what I heard. Yeah. And they're talking about, um, it actually may not be on any of their Disney channels, which is interesting because it's a younger what they're they're describing it as like a young version of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they are not thinking about having that on any of the Disney channels or something like that, which is interesting to me. Um, not even Netflix. There's rumors going around that they could maybe do it on Hulu or Amazon. Well, you know, I've heard rumors of uh, a Runaways show as yeah. well, and. Uh, that being on Hulu, and I think I think keeping them off of Netflix is kind of a good idea because you know Netflix they've already they've got a lot already on their plate. Well, the, not just that they have a lot, but they've established a tone. The, yeah, they're the definitely the more adult. Those are the dark, gritty, street level. Uh, um, you, yes, there are superpowers, but they're very subtle in that sh- in the the Netflix shows and. If they do Runaways and they do uh, New Warriors, they're going to be lighter in tone, and they're going to—they sh- should have much more as far as superpowers go, more like the Avengers. Right. Um, well, and I'm surprised. It's—I guess it's going to be live action. I was thinking that they were going to do something like a cartoon with it, but. It oh, sounds, I just assumed it was live action. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I'm not sure. It's not really clear because they're still really early stages with it. But mm-hmm. it sounds like to me it's live action, and they're even taught. Um, I guess they're doing like a cloak and dagger series on Freeform too, which is another ABC, Disney owned network. Um, so they're they're going to be. Uh, they're definitely putting all the Marvel stuff out there. Cloak and Dagger was a good series, uh, comic book series. Is is Freeform the channel that used to be ABC Family? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I would love to see a Cloak and Dagger series, uh, New Warriors, Runaways. I loved Runaways. That I think is going to be. That sounds like it's going to be on a major network. I I think. Like it would be cool. I got no problem with that. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that it would be. That would be fun to see. Um, but I found that interesting. Squirrel Girl's just kind of taken over. I think it's it's hilarious that she's taken over so much. <laughs> um, also in the land of TV, everything seems to be TV. Um, although the movie news that I've got sort of sad in one way. Um, but uh, in the, also in the realm of TV, which I'm kind of trying to figure out how they're going to play this. Uh, TNT is has ordered the pilot for a TV series version of Let the Right One In. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I really, really love the original movie. I even like the remake that they did. Um, so it's 
I don't know how that's going to flow if they're going to do like a old school like follow uh, the character the vampire character through the previous years because that they could do a complete like old historical version of it up until the recent recent days or they could just follow what happens after she and the little boy run off together um but it i don't know how that's going to work as a tv series what do you guys think eh i probably <laughs> won't watch it i'm i'm getting tired of of these movies being made into tv series um i don't i don't know i don't i don't, I, I really kind of don't think they should touch it because the ending was perfect you know uh she, you know she found well if it depends on what movie you're going by because we all know from the book the true story of the vampire in it um but and which is really really tragic but it's sort of like this is the perfect ending to this she's found another protector another daytime person that's gonna you know grow old with her always being young and they take off why but it could be a prequel I don't know. I I I don't think they're. I, I don't know. It's. I don't know how this is going to work as a as a weekly series. I just don't know how that's going to go. How, how it's going to work out. Um, it it doesn't seem like the type of story that would make a good series. That would make a good series. Now you know the Exorcist is coming out. Right. And, um, I have no idea how it's going to be. But at first, I was like, well, why would you make The Exorcist into a series? But it's, I mean, it focuses on the guy, so you can have... Multiple uh, things, yeah. Right, it's not, I, I mean, I hate to say Monster of the Week, Demon of the Week, Exorcism of the Week. <laughs> but it, it doesn't have to be, I mean, for some reason, my first thought was, they're just going to expand the movie into this series, however many episodes. But no, he can go from place to place. Right. And see character growth and all of that. And so maybe that could work. But yeah, let the right one in. Um, it, I've never even seen the American version. I always thought it was really, really good. I actually, it, it fills in a lot more backstory than the, the original version does. Um, and, uh, oh, what's his name? Richard. I can't remember his name. Um, the actor that's in it. He was the, he was the stepdad and stepbrothers. Richard. Jenkins. Ah, thank you. Richard Jenkins um is fantastic in it. He's really, really good and very, very is he, tragic. Is he the caretaker? Yes. Okay. And it's really sad. Um but uh that it's a I, I highly strongly suggest seeing it because it's got this crash sequence in it is just amazing how they filmed it. It's really, really good. Um so yeah, I don't know how that's going to play. Another series that's I've been waiting for for a very long time, and we're finally getting it's finally premiering on October second on HBO is Westworld, mm -hmm. and they have released a new trailer for it that gives even more um, look at the show and how creepy they're doing this. And um, uh, Eric's going to be very happy about this because they get more Jimmy Simpson in there. You get to see him in it. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> and Clifton, Co Clifton Collins Jr. is in it, um, which I didn't even know. He shows up in everything. Um, 
but it's really an interesting preview because you get some more Anthony Hopkins in there and it's truly creepy. He's really going creepy with his character. And um, I really, really love Ed Harris in this. Just from what I saw is he he's, of course, playing the role that was originated by Yul Brenner, which is the, the you know, the gunslinger. Mm-hmm. And they're giving him more of a savior role in this in terms of he is how um this kind of the savior of the androids he's he seems to he and um evan rachel wood who's like the the saloon girl in it who's also an android they both become sort of self-aware at the same time as that the the it looks like from this trailer and so he comes to her and tells her you know you see him say i'm i'm here to to show you the light or whatever and it looks fantastic there's um they show the androids actually being made and there's this great image of one of the bodies being pulled out of this like white um fake skin and that you can see the skeletal structure and the musculature dipped in this white and it just is creepy as hell and um towards the end of the trailer and i'll put we'll we'll have this posted on fangirl um towards the end of the trailer um evan rachel wood asks him asks anthony hopkins you know are we old friends and he looks at her and he just does this really creepy pause he's like i wouldn't say that no not friends i wouldn't say that at all and it's like oh (laughs) so it's they're really going dark with this. I love the look of it. It looks really slick. And and that comes from, you know, you've got Jonathan Nolan in there mixed with J.J. Abrams. So it's it's just going to be a really great show. I can't not wait to see it. And finally, seems like I've been waiting forever. I love the original movie um, and the sequel, Future World. <laughs> you liked Future World? <laughs> hey, I was a kid. I haven't seen it in ages. I have watched Peter Fonda, <laughs> but come on, it's it's you Westworld know the future world. You, they go together. You know they had a TV series too, right? Oh, I've watched. They had the greatest TV series back in the day: Planet of the Apes, Logan's Run. I know they they the 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 Westworld one was really odd. Like they were after the guy that was in charge of Westworld. And it was just really strange. I think it only lasted for like maybe five or six episodes, but it was really odd. Just, I, I don't know why they thought that would work as another one. Why did they think that would work as a TV series? Well, it's, see now this is, yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. We're talking about these, all these movies that are now being made into TV series, but they were doing it all the time when we were kids too. Yeah. But you know what? There was a hokey, awesome factor to them back then that made it work. You know, at least to me, like Logan's Run, I can see that as a TV series because it's an ongoing, you know, he's he's and and Planet of the Apes work, too, is that. Mm-hmm. And they even had a cartoon series <laughs> to to add more to that. Um, so kind of going into the realm of moviedom, um, we got a uh, like looks like Ben Affleck decided to do a massive spoiler on his Twitter feed. Have you heard I could about not that? believe that. I could not believe <laughs> that. <laughs> he 
actually just I don't know if it's him in costume who's in the costume no one knows who it is but uh, he just showed like Slade Wilson aka Deathstroke walking around in full on Metal Gear on set um, for Justice League possibly. I've heard that it's Joe Manganiello really? I, I heard that, and I also yeah. I, I've, I originally saw Justice League, but then I saw it was for the Batman solo movie. Yeah, well, where does you know are they introducing him in Justice League, or is he is this just like test footage like they did for? I Deadpool? think it's test footage. So they're doing Deathstroke as Deadpool test footage thing. Like we're going to leak this to see what people think. Right. <laughs> way I to, think it's all a scam. Way to rip off Marvel DC. <laughs> Again, well, considering Deadpool is a ripoff of Deathstroke, it's only fair. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um, it's I'm curious to see how what we find out. I, I find it really interesting that everyone thought that Ben Affleck was going to end up being Slade Wilson. As... No, you're the only one who thought that. Jessica. I thought it would be awesome and it would make so much sense. And I still wish it was true. <laughs> After seeing Batman versus Superman, I still wish it was true. And yet the women of the world are very glad to hear that it could be Joe Manganiello. <laughs> if he starts busting a move and like, you know, taking a bottle of water out and spraying it everywhere, then we'll know. Is it, is right, it? exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or it could be horrors of horrors. It could, they could take the, the helmet off and it's Channing Tatum. <sighs> <laughs> God. He probably cannot do that because he's technically contracted <laughs> for Gambit. So he's probably got a non-compete clause in his contract. Oh, God. I in. hope that. I, I just want him to like bow out of the Gambit thing. Just bow out now. Go. Just go away. Don't. Just go away. Go over there. Be magic. We could talk about <laughs> potentially. But speaking of magic and potentially good news, I, have we talked about the whole Doug Lyman thing? Is that how you say his name? Lyman? I don't know. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Doug Lyman being named as director for a live action Justice League Dark movie. Ooh, was that official? It, I don't know. I read it in Variety. Oh, so. that's right. Because he, he, he left Gambit. And they're saying that he is supposedly going to be, well, he's on the short list for the, the that's right. I, I read, I mean, read his name. I read that he was named director. Huh. Uh, so a couple. Pl- I read the article in Variety, uh, on Variety.com, and I saw it a couple other places. Um, so I mean, that's. I'm not saying it's official. I'm saying I read that he was named as the director, and they have a screenwriter, and it's going. I oh, I was already excited about the animated Justice League Dark movie. I can't if wait. I can for get that. a live action Justice League Dark. It can movie. clean the taint of the Killing Joke away. Uh, oh, well, yeah. originally that Justice League Dark film was announced a while back, and Del Toro was going to direct. Yeah, it. I know. Don't remind me. Yeah, he and I. I've heard that he's still involved as maybe an executive producer well, or something. See, that's our buddy Doug Jones's dream. He wants to be Dead Man. He wants Dead Man. He would be a great Dead Man. He wants it. I've talked to him a couple of times, and he's like, "I want it." So. He look. I think. Look at that chest. He's built. (laughs) He's built for this. (laughs) You get. You get him and he and Del Toro to pull some strings and. Yeah. 
I'm telling you. But uh, I, yeah, I was very excited to see that. Um, and like I said, as far as I can tell, he is the director. And they are going ahead with this movie. I would be okay with that. You know, Marvel jacked around with that. Mar- they've, they've, I don't think we're ever going to get a Gambit movie. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't they've, think we really need one. We don't. We honestly don't need it, a Gambit he's, movie. He's not a lead character, in my opinion. I, I, I like the character. I love Gambit, but I don't but, like the thought of Channing Tatum playing him. I, I just don't see it. I can't see a Gambit movie at all. I could see it if he has a paper bag on his head. Wow. <laughs> why are we so, why okay, are you okay, so okay. anti-Channing we're moving, Tatum? We're moving it's just because, no, I'm going to say this. I'm not anti-Channing Tatum. I think he's very handsome, and I think that he is definitely what you would call a movie star. As an actor, I don't know. I want to see him do some other things, but as Gambit, no, I can't. I just can't even. I don't see him as Gambit. I'm sorry. He was, he was wonderful in This Is the End. Well, yeah. He had a dog collar <laughs> on. Dog collar, <laughs> and he had like two lines. Um. So here's this is this is the weird, poor, pitiful character of the week, King Arthur. King Arthur can't catch a break. I'm not talking about um, the new movie that's coming out that um, Guy Ritchie's doing. That looks actually good. I'm talking. About, <laughs> are you talking about Mr. Bay? I'm talking about. There's two things actually. One of them is Mr. Bay. <laughs> the other is going to make you go, WTF? Why? No, the Mr. Bay one makes me do WTF. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. So the Mr. Babe one that we're talking about is for whatever effing reason, (laughs) Transformers is going back to Camelot and it's going to be, oh God, I can't believe this. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Why? I think Tony Hopkins at this point is just like, give me a check and I'll do whatever. Um, He's in it. He's in it. So we have Sir Anthony Hopkins, Mark Wahlberg, Tyrese Gibbons, or and Gibson, Tyrese Gibson, um, and Liam Garrigan, and it's going to have, it's going to be King Arthur and the Transformers, and it's called Transformers: The Last Night. I wish I was making that up. And did you see who's playing King Arthur? That's Liam Garrigan, right? The same King Arthur from Once Upon a Time. Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. He plays the same character he even on Once Upon a Time. Is he going to be evil in this, too? Because wasn't he evil in Once Upon a Time? Yeah, he was a downright... Um, Bastard? Yeah, I didn't know what I could say, you know. Yeah, so... I was... <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but you're right. It is the same guy. Oh my god, yeah. boy, there's some casting. There's <laughs> some inspired casting there. Um, so King Arthur can't catch a break because you you hear what they've now announced. God dang. So Fox, 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 Fox is developing a new series where King Arthur fights crime and magic in modern time. (laughs) When an ancient magic reawakens in modern day Manhattan, a grief 
a graffiti artist named Art must team with his best friend Lance and his ex Gwen, an idealistic cop, in order to realize his destiny and fight back against the evil forces that threaten the city. Um, does he have a mentor named Murr? <laughs> or Lynn? Right. <laughs> I, I honestly, I can't make that up. That is an actual thing that's happening right now. All right. I'm going to ask, have either of you ever read the comic book Mage by Matt Wagner? I've heard of it. I've actually read it. I would... They need to throw aside whatever the hell you were just saying, talking <laughs> about that. I would love to see an adaptation of Mage, which is King Arthur in the modern world. But Are there the way Transformers? It, if there's no Transformers. No, there, no Transformers. Um, I thought it was an amazing comic book. Uh, Excalibur is a baseball bat. <laughs> um, is it, it's got a, a mate named Lucille. But <laughs> maybe. Um, oh, this was long before Lucille existed. Lucille was still a tree. Um, but yeah, so it's just it's this guy, and I, I Kevin Matchstick is the name of the character, and he's just an ordinary guy until. Again, it's kind of like magic starts encroaching on the world, and then he meets this woman who tells him he's the reincarnation of King Arthur, and uh, he ends up with the baseball bat. I mean, I, it's been a long time since I read it, but it was just amazing. The artwork was beautiful. The story was incredible. Um, what I love about I would much rather see that, something so different than what sounds like every other freaking show. Yeah, it's like Grimm, but we're going to make it King Arthur well, it's instead like of they, Grimm's. They, everything has to be a police procedural. You know, the thing that makes Lucifer work is the fact that you've got a lead guy who's really interesting and that whole concept of he's Lucifer. He's not, you know, that whole concept that the bad guy is, is actually the good guy. That's enough difference to everything else out there. Good guy's actually a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> but this is re like she just happens to be an idealistic cop. Really? Guinevere? Guinevere's a bitch. <laughs> you know, she screws over Arthur with Lancelot. Yeah. I, you know, I'd rather, if they were going to do something like this, I would rather, first of all, that the names aren't just so spot on. An arc, and he's a graffiti artist named. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, a graffiti artist. You know, it would make an interesting um, nighttime soap opera. No, it wouldn't. It could. <laughs> Not necessarily this particular concept, but I mean, the like whole... Like a Dallas type of thing? A lot of the... Only good. Um, <laughs> you know. Wow. A, I mean, a lot of that Arthurian... So That's all I heard. Yes, dynasty. there you go. Oh, yes. <laughs> I would love for Dynasty. I, I actually started watching Dynasty on, I think they had it on Amazon Prime. All I have to say to that is, you bitch. You bitch. <laughs> there is a lot of soap in the Arthurian legend. Oh, hell yeah. So make it something, I don't, just, I, yeah, the cop procedural thing. So. You know, you're right. I I would watch the hell out of, you know, Covington Cross. Remember Covington Cross? I loved that show. That had Glenn Quinn in it before there was Angel. 
and uh, it was before Roseanne, and it was fantastic. And it even had um, the I'm blanking on his name, but it had the guy that played in Excalibur as the father in it, and it was a it was set in medieval times, and it was sort of like a family dynamic in medieval times, but it was awesome. And it, but it had so you know the soap aspect and everything. But I think you're right. I this would totally work as some. You know what? You need to write that, Eric. I'll see what I can do. You just need to write it because that hashtag stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to rip off your idea, and they're going to make like. Well, they kind of had something like that called what monarchs or kings or something. Mm-hmm. But I like the thought of making it like a, a dynasty type of thing, where you know Arthur owns some sort of timber company that makes tables or something that are like really well renowned and round round (laughs) (laughs) but you know something cool like that and it would just it would be neat it but this is just the same why does everything have to be a police procedural because once been dying to interject by the way oh go ahead sorry 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 you guys you know we're talking about King Arthur. Eric, before we started the episode, you asked me um, what I had been working on. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really talked about this publicly, so y'all are kind of getting the scoop. Ooh. But um, I'm creating a six-episode web series, and it's kind of a supernatural drama, kind of soap opera-y, a little bit going on um, about this uh, group of people who are affected by the murder of the local psychic. And the local psychic, she has a deck of tarot cards. And I actually got permission from the artist and the publishing house to use my own personal tarot deck that I've always had in the show. And that tarot deck is called Legend, the Arthurian Tarot. Nice. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm really excited to use all this beautiful imagery. So is the artist. She kind of gushed to me a little bit about it. Like, I'll have to send you some scans of the things that she's done with the characters. And the deck pretty much does tell the entire story of everything that went down around King Arthur. And so, Jessica, I just have to back up that point that, yeah, it would make a really great soap opera. No, it <laughs> so totally would. would. It totally would. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm just really sick of it always defaulting to something like with the idea you know the the stolid idealistic female cop and her quirky new partner with richard castle what no wait hmm? <laughs> yeah i'm just kind of done with it uh so anyway let's get to our tribute because it needs to happen and i'm i don't think i'm going to ball i'm going to do my best not to cry um, but we lost an icon a couple of days ago um, in the former Gene Wilder. And uh, I personally grew up watching Gene Wilder. I watched things that I shouldn't have watched at the age I was when I saw them. I'm sure <laughs> one of those including Blazing Saddles. Um, but I, uh, I, it really um, affected me when I heard he had passed away. And it's you know, I'm sure kids my age and not, you know, kid kids right now, um, when they find out that the guy that created Willy Wonka is gone, um, felt it hard. And uh, that was one thing that 
I still can't get over and more things I read it just hurts more to read about it um where um uh he didn't want anyone to know about his illness because whenever he would walk into restaurants and things um his nephew shared this and I write I wrote about this in my tribute on the site um when he'd walk in people would just light up he they'd see him and they'd realize oh my god there he is kids would smile adults would smile they would they just get this beaming smile because there was the candy man there was the guy that that made them believe in pure imagination and when he found out he was sick he did not want that shared because he did not want to taint that memory and so he kept it quiet and he made sure everyone else didn't talk about it because he did not want to taint that memory for all of those people. And that's freaking amazing to me. Um, so I'm going to pass it because I'm got ready to cry. Um, I'm going to pass this on to Eric because I know Eric, you grew up um, watching him too. So what some of the things that you remember, what, what, what's your favorite if you can pick one? Well, uh, if if I'm just going to pick a favorite role, it's got to be Willy Wonka. Um, I watched a ton of movies with Gene Wilder. Uh, I, I remember watching, I loved Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor together. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> stir crazy, stir crazy and uh, see no evil, hear no evil. I, I would watch them over and over and over again when they were on uh, HBO, I believe. Because, uh, you know, the, they would show it however many t- a dozen times a week and i would oh, watch yeah, stir crazy seem to be on all the time i would watch them constantly um and of course i love blazing saddles an amazingly funny movie uh just lots of stuff but willy wonka is to me his greatest performance just an amazing piece of work uh for an actor and that movie you know, again, I've been watching it since I was a kid, and it's always had just this weird. Uh, it, it was like the weirdest kids' movie that I'd ever seen, <laughs> I think, and it still just feels off kilter. It's a very odd movie, and a lot of that had to do with him, and his performance was amazing. Um, so, as much as I enjoyed everything else that I ever saw him in, uh, the Haunted Honeymoon, I remember seeing that in the theaters. Um, with uh, his wife, mm-hmm. and but it it always comes back. It's always going to come back to Willy Wonka. Uh, well, you know, and I think it's because he created a character with Willy Wonka that was just he was so odd, and at the same time, kids got it. He they you know his characterization wasn't afraid to be uh scary and it it was interesting because i mean like that whole the whole boat sequence you know this was before young frankenstein he got that crazy mad scientist hair going on and 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 the rant of and the poem while all those terrifying scenes are going on behind him uh i think it's just he appealed to kids because they got that kids could handle freaky, scary stuff and, and dug it. 
Oh, absolutely. And I can't believe I didn't mention Young Frankenstein. <laughs> That's probably my second favorite. But I was so caught up on the whole Willy Wonka thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, Young Frankenstein, another great one. I think that film roles-wise, um, that would be my favorite of Gene Wilder's was Young Frankenstein. Um, I just love that, the putting on the Ritz number. That is just one of <laughs> the, the Ritz. <laughs> It's just one of the most, it's really an adorable kind of thing to watch and it just captures i think a brilliant moment between two completely brilliant actors and uh i just really wanted to say that my favorite role that gene wilder ever had was husband to gilda radner i remember being a kid and having just this crazy wicked fascination with female comedians they were just so much more ballsy and willing to go where some men wouldn't and so i wanted to know more about this gilda radner and i learned that her husband was willy wonka <laughs> and um i just kind of read about her life and their relationship and how much he adored her and how hard it was for him losing her and i just always felt he was such such a remarkable man and an even more remarkable husband well, and, and the thing that I took, too, was just how decent a human being he was. Like, you never heard a bad word about Gene Wilder. I, 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 I never heard a bad word about him. And how he, when Gilda passed away, how he made an effort, like he made a massive effort to do something about uh, cancer research. And he himself was a victim of of lymphoma and he survived it um but it i think i also believe that his mother died of cancer as well um and it so it really affected his life and he really took uh a stand against that disease and and made a you know made like a uh a, a, a charity you know like a institute to help you know gilda's uh form of cancer that she had which i believe was also a variant um and you know even even after when he you know a lot of people keep forgetting that he was married after gilda and uh you know she he, he supported she supported his efforts as well his wife um i believe her name was karen and it just everybody he was just such a gentle person and if you watch the interviews with him um, that he did with like, there was a one with Alec, uh, Alec Baldwin um, did with him as well as one with James Lipton. He was, he's so thoughtful and his voice is so soft and his voice is like, uh, like I described it was it, it was made for telling stories and um, you know, I'm kind of rambling here, but it's, it's one of those things. It's just, he, he was part of my life so much because it started with Willy Wonka, but because I grew up watching so much television and things I shouldn't have watched when I saw him as Willy Wonka in my head, it just clicked like, this is, I let, I, this is, he grabbed a hold of something in my brain and I started finding things like, other movies that he did because I watched late night TV a lot. And um, back then CBS did a lot of these movies of the week that they'd reshow. And that's where I saw things like uh, Sherlock Holmes, smarter brother, which is fantastic. 
and um, movies like uh, The World's Greatest Lover, which other stuff that I shouldn't have watched at that age, <laughs> but, you know, and Blazing Saddles, but a lot of people don't realize, you know, he co-wrote Young Frankenstein. He wrote and directed a bunch of films that he did himself, um, that he starred in as well. And that's pretty amazing to me that he was just so multiple talented and like that. So, you know, you don't have a lot of people like that anymore. That could be. You don't. That. He was also very wonderful in his role on Will and Grace. That yeah. Was one of the things that, yeah. That was his last, one of his last performances and he won an Emmy. He did. Yeah. He did. He was hilarious on that show. I believe he was um, Will's boss. I think that's right. I think he played his boss. And he ran a law firm, but I think he was kind of very eccentric and almost borderline uh, <laughs> Crazy. dementia. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, yeah. <laughs> well, and the cool thing is too, people forget too, that he did, um, that he also, I believe, wrote these as well and starred in them. He did two mystery movies that were shown on um, like A&E back in the late 90s where he, it, they were set in the 30s. And um, he had an affinity that's another thing that I really connected with him was it seemed like he had a real affinity for the 1930s and the old, you know, old movies like, you know, the homage that he did with Young Frankenstein, which is probably still one of the most beautifully done recreations. This sounds so bizarre, but one of the most beautifully done recreations of a James Well movie. It's 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 perfect. That movie is one of the most perfect comedies, just like. Blazing Saddles is probably one of the most perfect comedies. But the thing that I really took from Gene Wilder, and this comes back to the Willy Wonka theme, is the fact that he he was he reminded me so much of like the old time comedians in the fact that he conveyed so much emotion in his face and he could make things that were normally, you know, like he could make funny touching. Um, like he did that in Blazing Saddles and he did that in, um, Young Frankenstein. He, he, it's, it's very odd, but he could convey so much emotion with just a look and it, it wasn't just the comedy. It was this sweetness that he had about him and almost like a sadness too, if that makes any sense. That is be- very beautifully put, Jessica. <laughs> I it, it it just it reminds me of these old comedians, like the you know, like the ones that, well, you know, like with uh, World's Greatest Lover, he was homaging the the old classic silent film era, and that's where I think he kind of he maybe he got that from there, but that's what I took from him when I saw him in these films was he just had such a sweetness, like a manic sweetness about him. He, um, he could, and, and that's what some other people, I noticed some other people said the same thing, which is he could either, he could look like he was about to go on a tirade or suddenly cry in the blink of an eye. And that reminds me of, of guys like Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin. I don't know. That's what I think. And we don't have many like that, that have that ability anymore. And that's sad. That is sad. 
Way to bring it down, Jeff. Sorry, I, I, I am not not crying yet. I've managed not to cry. I think I've cried out. Um, but uh, I want to just give you guys each one last um, before we go. Um, one last um, thought about Gene Wilder. So Eric, we'll start with you. Um, I mean, he made us laugh. What else? What greater gift? And Ryan? I think my friend Kirsten best said it yesterday when she uh, she called me and she said, you know, I don't often get upset over uh, the deaths of celebrities. It's a lot like, she said, you know, we've had a lot of them leave this year. She said, but there's just something. It's like Gene Wilder was Willy Wonka. And now that he's gone, it's like that last piece of your childhood is kind of kind of died away and it, it's a bummer yeah it's I, I think that's what got a lot of people was you know he Willy Wonka is supposed to be immortal and he he is he is but it's doesn't make it any easier when we lose him and uh you know like I said, it was kind of, he kind of was the part of the bedrock of what made me, me and a lot of other people, my age, um, was built upon that. Like he's, he's right in there with Henson and, and those guys who gave me a love of imagination with what they made and they made me want to believe it. And that character um, even though people are like, well, he's a psychopath. He killed these kids or he, he was gleefully like getting rid of them. And um, really that last scene sticks with me even more and more as I think about it, which is oh, um, a good deed shines brightly in a weary world. All he was looking for was an honest heart after having so many dishonest things happen and, and, the greed around him and that was personified in those kids and just those line deliveries like that where you hear it in his voice and you see it in his face and he's just looking for one honest heart in the world and he finds it that sticks with you and that's all i got i mean i uh thank him for that gift I think everyone does. Yeah. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> Power through it. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's a bittersweet one. Um, but uh, we thank you, Gene Wilder. You helped make me me. And I appreciate that. And I want to thank Eric and... Ryan for joining me and I made it through without crying. I'm so happy. <laughs> I've done that too much this year. I think we all have. Um, so um, join us next week. It's going, it's the week of Horror Hound weekend. And um, before we fly or before I fly out to Horror Hound, um, we will be interviewing the man himself, the Hunter Thompson of the effects world. Mr. Steve Johnson. 
<laughs> so the um, the the sensor button will probably be pushed off. <laughs> um, but look forward to that. And I want to thank you guys again. Thank you, Eric. Anytime. And thank you, Ryan. Oh, it was my pleasure. And we will see you next week on Fangirl Radio. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin traveling in the world of my creation. What we'll see will defy explanation. If you want to view paradise, Simply look around and view it Anything you want to do it Want to change the world There's nothing to it Hurry up, Violet! This way, Grandpa! No life I know to compare with pure imagination. Living there, you'll be free if you truly wish to be. If you true.